Welcome to this episode of The Wonder of Parenting. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Green, and it is our privilege uh, each week to come to you with uh, what we hope you find to be really informative and inspirational podcasts talking about all things parenting and uh, really how wonderful it is to be parents, even though it can be challenging. And so our, our theme for today is Raising Heroic Boys in a Kryptonite World, and we're going to focus on boys and school. And when we talk about raising heroic boys in a, in a kryptonite world, we, we all have this desire as parents and as grandparents, as educators, to raise our boys to be good men. But there are some subtle and not so subtle forms of kryptonite, uh, as we're calling them, metaphorically speaking, that, that tend to challenge our boys in the 21st century. In our last podcast, we looked at a form of kryptonite, which is uh, having to do with the way the boys emote. And the kryptonite is often saying that the way that girls emote is the gold standard, and we have to help boys emote more like girls. And what we tried to argue in that podcast is that boys are wired to emote differently, and the way that they emote is good for them, and it's healthy for them. It's healthy for the world. And so we talked about uh, how to let our boys emote the way that boys emote. Today what we want to do is turn our attention to schools and uh, some of the things that are happening to our boys there and why that is and what we as parents can do about it. And so uh, before I bring Michael in, let me just read you some statistics that uh, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, uh, the current state of boys in school. And I would say that these uh, statistics represent a form of kryptonite for our boys. Uh, 70% of all Ds and Fs go to boys, whereas only 40% of the As go to boys. Boys are 60% more likely to be held back in kindergarten. 70% of valedictorians in the U.S. are girls. By 8th grade, 41% of girls are at least proficient in reading, whereas only 20% of boys are. Over the last 20 years, the reading skills of the average 17-year-old male have declined, and colleges today have reached a tipping point with 60% of enrollees being women. And, uh, Michael, you probably got some other insights into that as well. Why are our boys falling behind in school? Yeah, it's starting really early. Um, I, I, well, you said why. I mean, I think the the macro reason is that there the our schools uh, our schools are filled with wonderful teachers and administrators. You know, wonderful people, um, and there is a mismatch between the way that the male brain learns and grows. Uh, whether we're talking social emotional learning, whether we're talking academic, cognitive, uh, there's a mismatch between the way that brain works and the way schools are set up. And so at the macro level, uh, and and I would say also a clinical level, that mismatch, it begins very early. Uh, it begins, you know, uh, in preschool and toddler years. As soon as they enter into preschool, the stats for boys and girls in preschool are frightening if you're a parent of boys. Um, and and it's, it goes all the way through. And what my research has shown, and we started this back at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. We did the two-year pilot there in the late 90s. And so I started showing it there and then subsequently now in in thousands of schools, what we've shown is that the teachers, the parents, the counselors, the administrators are not trained, did not receive training in male-female brain difference or the nature-nurture culture, boy-girl. They didn't receive training in it. Um, And you and I have spoken elsewhere about how you and I didn't receive training when we came up through college and grad school. Counselors don't receive training. In fact, I'll have MDs and PhDs who come to my talks and who will come up afterward and will say, yep, 
I got a PhD, I got an MD, and no one ever showed me those brain scans. Uh, and what I mean by that is wherever I go and travel and speak, I show scans that show how differently the male and the female brain operate. And so uh, that mismatch, I think, is the culprit. Uh, and because, and the way I know that is true, at least the part of it I know is true, is that when we go into schools and we provide them the training, so we provide the professional development, the, uh, the theory, the strategies, uh, you know, the whole program, and we provide it to them that, uh, uh, and by the way, people can go on to GurianInstitute.com and see this data, so it's all, it's all public. Uh, the schools will um, get improvement in grades for both boys and girls, by the way, both. They'll get improvement in test scores for both boys and girls, and they'll get improvement in discipline referrals. And that's mainly going to be boys because 90% of the discipline referrals are uh, to the principal are boys. So they get improvement in these three quantifiable areas. Uh, and then we, we get reports more in testimonials from parents, from teachers, from counselors who are saying, oh, wow, we have you know more of a culture of dignity. We have more cultural competence among our boys. We have better social emotional learning among our boys. Um, so it's hitting the quantitative and the qualitative when the teachers, administrators, and parents are trained in uh, male-female brain difference and how boys and girls learn and grow differently. So I think I can prove it from both sides that that is the key, the mismatch. I think most parents recognize, even educators recognize, that our boys are falling behind. But when we hear it, uh, it can be pretty frightening for a parent. Yeah, it's frightening. Also, also sometimes unbelievable because uh, because the public dialogue is that that boys are ahead. You know, boys boys have everything and and girls don't. And so you're you're on two fronts as a parent when you hear this. One is kind of disbelief or uh, something like that. Um, and then the second is, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to my boy? And wrapped around that one is, if your boy's already having trouble in school, wrapped around that one is, oh, this explains it, you know. And and now some some boys, I mean, some boys are uh, are not parented well. Some boys are are need a lot of help in other areas. I mean, there's a lot of reasons a boy could have trouble in school. We don't want to say it's all this, but um, in terms of a an average, uh, I would say if you're a parent of a boy today. Um, and if you'd get frightened by this, you know, if your boy is not already having trouble, if he's very, very young, or if he is having trouble and you hear this and go, oh, wow, that kind of explains stuff. Just know that there is help. Like, no one has to be alone anymore in this journey. And uh, I know you'll talk about it in terms of resources. Uh, there is a lot going on now that goes school to school, school district to school district to help to solve this problem. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, let, let's kind of start at the beginning. And, and look at some different phases of the education process for our boys uh, and, um, and, and some of the disadvantages that they may experience as they go along. And, and I want to say with you, um, I don't think teachers are waking up in the morning saying, how can I really ruin the education of the boys in my class today? Uh, a lot of these teachers, in particular in the elementary grades, are female, so they they obviously have learned as females. They understand education as females. They've not been trained in brain science research, um, and they love boys, um, but they may not understand how it is that boys learn. So we're we're not talking about teachers here. We're talking about an unintended systemic problem in our schools. So let's start with boys uh, when they're in uh, say pre K age. Their brains are a little bit behind the developmental uh, areas of girls, right? 
Oh yeah. Well, yeah, in a number of number of ways. Number 1, they're going to have on average less impulse control uh than than girls are and uh at just because the prefrontal the movement of of the from the limbic to the prefrontal and those pathways close quicker in girls um all the way through basically the lifespan and and the prefrontal is the executive decision making. So boys will not tend to make as many of those executive decisions as girls, and they'll tend to be more impulsive. Um, number two, they're going to tend to be more physically aggressive because boys excel more in gross motor and females more in fine motor when we're talking about the early years. And that's also how the brain is set up. So, um, you know, so we're always trying to get boys to be a little less gross motor and girls to be a little more gross motor and then boys to be a little more fine motor. Let's work with beads, something like that, which is great for them and and uh, and so on. So what we're always doing is we're, we're trying to see we see, oh, the boys are are, you know, look at these boys or look at this boy. He's doing such and such. Let's get him to do this other thing. And that's actually fine. It's fine. Um, but at the same time, we don't want to try to correct or shame a behavior that is natural to him. So this podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. An example, um, boys often need to move around when they're listening to a story being read, not all the time, but often, um, uh, so that they can actually retain in the hippocampus, in the memory center, what happen in that story. And so, but often in the environment we're talking about, like a preschool environment, the teacher hasn't received training in this. So she's an awesome person, but she hasn't received training in this. And so she says to the boys, okay, and to the girls, everyone, come sit for story time, come sit for circle time. She starts reading the story. And then within a you know a few seconds or a minute or two, a few of the boys start kind of fidgeting, moving around, rolling around, maybe want to get up and move around. And, and she says, tells them to stop, to sit still. And this is where training uh, would really have helped because if she had, had gotten the training initially, she wouldn't probably do that. She would go, oh, okay, go ahead and move around. Uh, just do it in this space and don't bother anyone else um, so you can listen to the story. Because the, the male brain needs more spatial centers activated, needs more of the cerebellum activated in order to activate uh, you know, the parts of the brain that, that we're going to call cognitives or, or retention of, of those words. Uh, guys often need to move around more. And, and, uh, and that's strategic in response to uh, a basic difference that is inborn, that's natural in all cultures, 
Um, and also takes into account the fact that the male brain is slower to develop word centers. It develops less, fewer word centers than the female brain. Um, and so, you know, it's it's not naturally going to speak as quickly in as complex sentences. It's not going to retain as many words as female brain uh, at two, three, and four on average. There are exceptions to that, but that's on average. Uh, so all of those are factors and in that early age group. And as the teachers get trained, the great thing is teachers are incredibly smart. As they get trained in this, they just automatically and organically start to make these strategic changes. And then you see improvements for the boys. And there's no harm to the girls. You know, anything we do for boys can help girls too. Right. So so one of the things uh, I think that would be helpful for parents as they're advocating for their sons, as they're thinking through, say, preschool, uh, is that a boy's brain can be like a year, a year and a half behind a girl's brain. And we're teaching reading. We're teaching verbal emotive styles uh, at younger and younger ages. And one of the challenges for our boys is that they're falling behind sooner uh, than ever before uh, because their brains may not be set up to learn how to read as early as a girl's brain. Oh, absolutely. That's a that that whole word production um, thing we were just talking about, and what you've just described is a real all over the world. And and because we want to remember, these brain differences come in on the X and the Y chromosomes, and they happen in utero. So these our brains are formatted to be male and female brains in utero, and so these these differences are, are there, and our kids were are born with them. And while there are some boys like like you and me who who are very word oriented. Um, uh, it's about a one in five ratio of exceptions to this rule. And we have really well-developed gray matter areas for word development. And so I started reading at four. Um, you know, that is unusual, okay, for males. That's about a one in five. We should expect about three or four out of five, parents should expect that their four-year-old boys are not going to read as well as their four-year-old girls uh, and or may not have started reading yet at four. And, and, Unless the boy has a learning disability of some kind that will be discovered probably later, that would be absolutely normal. And in fact, in some places like Finland, you know, um, they're not even focusing on teaching reading until six or seven right. because they know that male and female brain will catch up. They'll both catch up. And, uh, you know, but to force kids and to worry that kids are dumb if they can't read at four, to do that is really a disservice when all we have to do is just learn about the brain and say, oh, wow, okay, it's a male brain. It's it's not going to probably learn this stuff until uh, until later than the sister on average, and that's okay. So the frustration, I'm guessing, for a lot of parents, because I know that's true here in Arizona, is that the expectation now when you get into kindergarten is that you've got to be able to read. And I'm not quite sure uh, a lot of our boys' brains are as able to read at the level that they want now in kindergarten as our girls. So let's back up a moment. If you're a parent today, Michael, of a, of a young boy, what kind of preschool would you be looking for? Oh, yeah. So I have a lot in my books on this. Uh, so you can assess preschools um, and, you know, not with any malice, but just to look around. So just walk in and see, first of all, how much space there is in the preschool if the preschool um, or the childcare center is very small, so there isn't a lot of physical space, then it may not be a great place for your boy um, because boys really do tend, again, always a one out of five exception rate, but do tend to need 
more space, and that's how their brains are set up. So if it if it's very small, if the spaces are very small, and you're here in the U.S., um, uh, you know, I would watch for that and just put you know put that on your list and go hmm, want to think about this. And then the second thing is if the expectation of the teachers is that the boy will be reading quite well by five, and your son is not, uh, okay, may not be the right preschool uh, for your son because that expectation may create some negatives for your son. You may have to give him a gap year or find a different place for him um, uh, and or suggest to the teachers um, that they look into this more deeply, that they look into how the male brain you know, develops, etc., um, and t- to get that to happen, you may have to talk to other parents of boys in preschools uh, or in that preschool and say, hey, you know, what have you noticed? And then what often happens is one parent will ask the other parent and they're generally not always, but generally parents of boys talking to each other and they'll go, hmm, there's five of us whose sons are being judged on standards that are not appropriate to male brain. Uh, and that's going to be both behaviorally and cognitively. And oh well, this this is a systems problem. So let's go to the to the administrator of the preschool. Let's go to the teachers and say, look at all this research. Look at these books. Look at this data. You know, uh, this training's available. Let us help you get this training so that you do, you know you don't lose our boys this way. Um, uh, and it's a it's a, uh, a business thing for the preschool because what I found in doing consulting with the preschools is that you know initially they may be resistant. They may say, oh no no, it's a, we're all the same. But then as they get into it and they see the brain scans, they often they often alter their practices to fit the needs of both girls and boys, and then they start finding that they're recruiting more kids, uh, so they're not being avoided by parents of boys. Now they're starting to get more boys, which means more volume of kids. And, um, you know, they're getting more business. So it's actually a good business decision to learn the minds of boys. One of the things that I always encourage parents to of boys when they're looking for preschools is to look for those preschools where activity is high and the verbal emotive is not as high, Uh, meaning uh, that they're not always asking boys, how are you feeling? Use your words. Uh, They're allowing boys to play and to learn in the process. And um, mm-hmm. you've, you've said many times in our podcast, when boys are able to put kinesthetic movement to learning, they're going to learn better. And um, uh, the, the other thing then, the, the, the issue for me then, for uh, as I hear from a lot of parents, is the standard here in Arizona is my boy has to be able to read by kindergarten. He can't read, and a lot of boys aren't really ready to read in kindergarten. Right. They start out behind. They start to hate reading. They know the girls are better at it. Um, what can we do to advocate for our boys as they make that transition from preschool to kindergarten when there's so much pressure to be verbal emotive and boys are, are again, about a year and a half behind girls on that one? Well, that yes, and the only way I have found that I can say we have success, success data for in terms of advocating is to use the science-based approach, um, which is to say to, to the systems, uh, so for instance, the academic or government system that has said, you know, everyone has to read exactly the same at five to go to that system and say, okay, you, here's the data. So your standard is incorrect. You develop the standard based on not realizing that male and female brains operate differently and develop it with a different tempo. And um, so that standard is incorrect. 
here's the science. Because governmental agencies, legislatures, uh, academic institutions, you know, that, that set these standards uh, w- respond to science. They don't respond as well to people's opinion. You know, <laughs> right. they respond to science. So if so, anyone listening to this, if you have access to one of those agencies and you want to sort of foment social change, uh, I suggest going to them and saying this is a social justice issue. Um, you know, this is a form of sexism, if you want to use sort of incendiary terms, but it's a, certainly a social justice issue um, to have to have four times the number of boys failing in preschool environments obviously indicates there's something wrong with the way that environment is being run and the, and the standards are incorrect standards. Here's the science. It's a social justice issue. We need you to look at the science. And here's, you know, training is available. You know, all of this is available. Uh, and people can go through the training. And then they end up with setting different standards that are more appropriate. You know, um, Head Start is a place to go. Like, so Head Start does a lot of um, standard setting and or operates from the uh, governmental standards. So that's Head Start and Early Head Start. And I just want to say that I've worked with Head Starts all over the country. Some of them know about this. A lot of them don't. And so they'll have me come speak or they'll have me consult and I'll show the brain scans and talk about it. And, you know, to a person, like there could be, I was doing one conference, there were 800 people in the room and I was doing the keynote. And to a person, it seemed to me, people were nodding their heads, you know, these are all Head Start professionals. They were nodding their heads. So then when I asked, so how many of you got in your training, because they have to, you know, most of them are at least college or grad school. How many of you got this in your training? And out of the 800 people, two people raised their hands. Wow. Right. So, so that, that's the issue. And it is a social justice issue. And, um, and so I think the science is the best way to advocate. So parents, one of the things that we want to encourage you to do is to educate yourself on how your, your boys learn, how your girls learn. Uh, wonderofparenting.com is our website. And uh, there you'll be able to access Michael's books, uh, Saving Our Sons, The Minds of Girls. Uh, you'll be able to access my, my website. Michael and I have created some uh, some different programs and adventures for you to take your sons, your daughters on to help them grow to be heroic boys and, and uh, wise girls. Um, and, and Michael, you've also written a book to educators uh, called Boys and Girls Learn Differently, um, which might be a nice book just to give to a teacher yeah. once in a while to say, look at this is science-based. Uh, we all want the same thing. We want our sons to succeed. And, and quite honestly, uh, we can say, uh, I think with uh, some pretty good uh, knowledge behind it, these teachers want their boys to succeed because they know their boys are challenging for them. Oh yeah, every everyone wants their kids to succeed. Every teacher, teachers are wonderful, and they really want them to succeed. They well, what we discovered with in Boys and Girls Learn Differently that's the re, that's the report, a peer reviewed report of our two year pilot in the six school districts in Missouri, and that was run out of the University of Missouri Kansas City the Ed Department, and um, uh, that that showed exactly what you're saying. The teachers when we trained the teachers in all of this, and they they journaled. And they looked at the way they organically altered classrooms and systems to fit the the science based information. Um, you know, they fomented incredible change because they they really really want these kids to succeed. So if you're listening to this, yeah, boys and girls learn differently is a really good one to hand teachers. I'd say uh, saving our sons and the minds of boys. Those three are the ones that I hear the most about from 
from readers and folks on the uh, when I'm speaking. Those are the three they get. Boys and Girls on Differently Minds of Boys or Saving Our Sons. Saving Our Sons being the newest. Um, and also always remember um, that that really parents of boys are not alone anymore. And uh, you and I do Helping Boys Thrives. People can go to uh, helpingboysthrive.org and learn about that, bringing that to their community. I'm speaking, you know, I'm speaking in cities constantly. Uh, I can be invited. We have, tra- the Gurian Institute has trainers, gurianinstitute.com. We have, we have over 100 trainers who go and train. So it's not like it was, you know, 25 years ago when, when we sort of were starting to understand something was going on with boys, but there re- really wasn't programming to help. Now we have all of this programming. So Michael, if, if a parent isn't getting good traction at school and they sense their boy is falling behind, what are some things that they can do at home uh, to help their boys foster a love for education, not get frustrated, and uh, and help them get caught up? Yeah, well, of course, reading. Of course, making sure the kid is reading and, um, and we're reading. You know, we want to be hopefully doing that uh, depending on the age. You know, let's Let's pick an age. We talked about five years old. Let's say, you know, let's try to be doing that an hour a day. Uh, We're reading half hour. If the child is a reader, he's reading half hour. If not, we're reading for an hour. But it doesn't have to be one person. It can be mom and or dad and or grandma and or grandpa, friend, you know, mentor. Um, So just the reading is just absolutely crucial. Um, One-on-one mentoring is absolutely crucial. If a boy is struggling at all in a school system, um, I'll just pick a different age. Let's say he's eight and he's struggling. You know, this is the time for one-on-one mentoring with um, uh, grandma, grandpa, uh, tutors, older siblings, who, you know, whoever's available um, to be having one-on-one time to help him with whatever is the area he's having difficulty in. If it, I'm just going to pick now language arts uh, or English, um, but it could be anything. So a one-on-one on that because that's where he's having difficulty um, number three, forming this team of parents to go in and, and, and talk in the schools. So there, you know, there's nothing quite like that, like having a number of parents come in and take a science-based approach and talk in the schools. Uh, number four, um, look at homework. If, if part of, p- part of the reason that boys fall behind in school is starting at a, about nine, 10, 11, it starts, and then it moves into middle school. They kind of, you know, there's, there's, they hate school. They, they know, even though they can't express it, that school's not been set up for them. They don't like it and or they have other reasons. You know, it could, it could be they themselves are, are, have um, really made some bad choices about school. But whatever it is, they're, they stop handing in their homework. Uh, they say they've done it. They don't do it. They, they kind of lie. Um, uh, they, et cetera, et cetera. And so they, what could be a, a B in a class or even a C becomes a D and an F because of the homework. So really, really monitor homework and help them organize their homework. And if they're having any issues with homework, then then gotta use video games and all screens as leverage. Gotta take those away, you know, until the boy is doing his homework because those are distracting from from this other success. Um, so he's so that's a strategy. And then I'm gonna do a really last one would be a nitty gritty strategy. If your if your son or grandson is having issues with writing. Um, or with anything revolving around words, a really wonderful strategy is to have him draw before he has to write that paper. So have him draw what he's supposed to write about. Um, 
that's what we call a visual spatial strategy that can work for any child, but especially is is useful for males who are are not as good at reading, writing, etc. Uh, but if they draw for a half hour before they write the assignment, um, so they're sitting there at the dining room table while you're making dinner or something like that, they're doing their homework, they got to write something, and they're staring at the page. Instead of having them stare at the page, have them draw for a half hour. And, and then a half hour later, they can refer back to what they drew, the storyboard, and wow, they produce you know so many more words in such better organization, and they get a better grade. So that's a nitty-gritty strategy. I would add in some things Michael's already said, um, tie-in movement to learning. And, um, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're reading to your son, let him act out the story to help them retain it. Um, I would also encourage you uh, as advocates for your boys to make sure that your schools have um, recess time. Um, a lot yeah. of schools have taken recess out. Uh, one of the great things that's happened here in Arizona is that we are now mandating two recesses a day. Now, the challenge is they're trying to determine what that means. But what we really mean is you've got to get kids outside. You've got to get them moving around. Uh, it's good for girls. It's really important for our boys. And, again, just to, to remind you uh, that uh, you can uh, access a lot of this information by just going to wonderofparenting.com. There are links to Michael's websites and to his books. There's a link to uh, the resources that I've created with Michael. If you're from a faith community, uh, I've written a book on boys called Searching for Tom Sawyer, and the whole first chapter really talks about this learning thing. I use the story of a boy named Tom Sawyer in the 21st century and the challenges he faces from preschool all the way through college that uses these statistics in a storytelling way. So it's a nice review for you. And, um, and we're here to advocate with you for your boys and for your girls. And so we do hope you'll subscribe to this podcast tell your friends about it. And every Monday, we're going to have a new podcast drop for you on these really important issues. And uh, Michael, thank you so much again for the great insight that you've had for us today on our boys in school. Oh, you too, Tim. Thank you. And parents, thank you so much for your support of this podcast. And it's really a privilege for us to be able to share this information with you. Uh, we're parents. I'm a grandparent. Uh, we both work with boys and girls in our life's work. And um, so we, we hope uh, that these are really helpful for you and you'll continue to listen. So we look forward to talking with you again in our next podcast. You guys have a great week. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.